On this episode of Resi Week, we talk about reassessing work from home and Lightapalooza. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 314. You're an asset. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Atlas IED, innovative audio solutions for every business environment. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for AV Nation. TV. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by two of my good friends. First, we have Mr. Bob Archer. He is the senior editor at CE Pro. How you doing, Bob? Great. And yourself, Matt? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for being here, my friend. Then we have Mr. Richard Fergosa. You know him as Uncle Richie. He is the principal at Fergosa Design. How you doing, Richie? Mellow West Coast greetings. Good to be here. Thank you for joining us. Freezing here. Glad about that. (laughs) It's freezing there? Is not. I was going to say, it's beautiful up here. It's 20, 22 degrees Fahrenheit, blue skies. It's a bluebird day, my friend. I I went out the other day. It was, um, I, I went skiing by myself for, for an hour and a half. And uh, it was five degrees, felt like minus three. Glorious. I was, I was in my happy, my happy place. I thought of you the whole time. <laughs> Bob knows what I'm talking about. All right, gentlemen, let's kick this off with a story that comes to us from CE Pro and Dan Fersey. Is it time to reassess the work from home and hybrid work movement? Uh, This is a wonderful article from our friend Dan going through uh, a a lot of aspects of work from home and and what it's going to look like in the future, uh, as well as the, the hybrid aspect. He has a great conversation with Rachel Rouse. Uh, who's the director of interior for the Dallas office and uh, the principal at HOK. Bob, I want to start with you on this and definitely go read this article. Um, I don't often or always tell you to go read the stinking article, but go read this one because it it covers a lot that hasn't been, hasn't been approached in this manner before. Um, But what I wanted to talk to you about, Bob, was as you read this, as you look through this, and as you look across kind of the landscape of what 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 the model of work looks like right now, obviously there's a whole group of, of working people who don't have the option to work from home. But for, a, uh, for the portion that do, right, we're really stuck in a, a weird expanse right now where there are people that want to continue to work from home. There are people that want a hybrid option. They want to go in two days a week. There's a lot of people that want to get just thinking back to, I don't want to say back to normal, but they want to get back to that routine of waking up, having breakfast, getting a coffee, going to the office, and then coming home. And and they want to get back to that. And then there's the whole aspect of management that may want some form or fashion of any or all of those situations. What's the what's the divide here and what role, if any, does our industry actually play in this? 
realistically, I don't think we have a big say in what's going to happen. But I, I do say I, I do think that if we step up as an industry and and let corporate America know that we can support their employees um, mm -hmm. work from home in a, either a hybrid model or a full time work from home gig, that we can support them with the tools necessary to work efficiently, including, you know, network gear, um, cameras, microphones, um, secure um, systems, um, anything that they need to work from home and work from home effectively. Um, I, I do think my opinion is that I think going forward, we're going to see most businesses uh, who have employees in the office that are capable of working from home, they're going to be on some kind of hybrid program simply because mm -hmm. of the cost of corporate real estate. That yep. in the commercial real estate market, these companies can downsize, have smaller offices uh, because their employees are working from home. So they can save a couple of bucks versus um, what they were spending, you know, as few as three or four years ago. Yeah, that's a really good point. Richie, one of the other aspects of the the, the article here is, is is talking about kind of the juxtaposition between a, a, as we're going back to the office that a lot of workplaces are looking for a, a better aesthetic and dare I say more effective tech, right? They, they're, they seem to be trying to find a way to have a much cooler office space but with tech that that works and and is effective and easy to use which i would argue that all three of us on this call have have felt that we've been at that point for a while that we have effective easy to use tech but you yourself i can guarantee have wonderful examples of really easy to use systems that still can't be used effectively by staff what is uh, what does it take to to get there and is it just a, is it a pass off between design, tech, and, and productivity? Do we have to just choose one? A lot of the times when you see that when they're talking to these businesses and they're talking to, you know, HR managers or C-level executives, they're painted into a corner of saying, we have no idea what we're doing. Because <laughs> they're stuck. They're stuck. And mm -hmm. so... They have to decide whether the market is going to lead them to how they work or whether they lead the market. Of course, they want to lead the way. Yes. But they can't. It's it's out of their control. And the hard part is, you know, the for the longest time, work from home. And this is somebody who's had a home office for, I mean, about 25 years now. You know, working home office that I, I'm more effective out and I am, you know, in the field or in meetings or anything else. But the longest time, companies, their story was, well, there's no data that shows that yeah. work from home is effective. There's no data that says you can get the work done remotely as opposed to, well, there's data now. And so the, the narrative is no longer, well, we don't know if you're going to be effective. We don't know if you're going to screw off. We don't know if you're going to be, now it's going to be the, well, now you're not making the human connection. I mean, there was a pivot, mm -hmm. right, yeah. in terms of how to control their assets, because that's what employees are, right? Their assets. Mm -hmm. So when you get the employees in your controlled environment, whether they want to admit it or not, they're not necessarily always worried about the output. 
right? You know, not the outcome. They like the how. We want to see how this works, right? We've got a management team and managers, about 30 people to report. How are we going to assess their metrics? How are we going to assess when people show up on time or not on time or miss, you know, I mean, it's, it is a, it's an antiquated approach to the workplace that has been accelerated through forces outside of the normal business environment. And businesses are catching up and they don't quite know what to do, but they don't want to admit that they don't quite know what to do. And so the grumblings now are, well, how do we make it more of a human experience, right? The telepresence, mm-hmm. right? How do we make it so that a meeting is a meeting and you feel like you're there? The metaverse. Way That's of, the answer. Which, which is their way of saying, okay, we're going to call you in for a four-hour mind-numbing, you know, quarterly meeting, but you're going to get a whole lot out of it more because you're there. <laughs> and we could see that you're taking notes as opposed to, no, we found ways for us to be effective. And I mean, it's tough because it feels to me again. And Bob makes a good point. I mean, commercial real estate's expensive. Mm-hmm. However, there are still many companies because the CEOs and the executive management of those people have been doing it a certain way for 30 years since they've been appointed and their predecessor did it this way and their predecessor did it that way. They don't want to be the first ones to buck the tradition. So to save face as a company, they rush to get everybody back to keep how things were. Let's say you're a public company, right? It's, it's perception. Mm-hmm. If you're, Showing that you've returned to business as normal. Well, what's the easiest way to do that? Have bodies inside and sitting in cubicles and and working their way through. But that doesn't mean their business is doing any better. It just means it looks that they're presenting a return to normalcy. The one thing that, you know, we we constantly talk about these things and nobody likes talking about it because we've been at it for two years. But all of these companies already have their unwritten what happens if we get shut down again? Game plan. Every single one of them. Because to think that, it, well, let's put it this way. If a company doesn't have one, that's going to be rough. Because we're, we're hoping that we don't have something as drastic as, as, as previously. But there now that it's been done once, right? The, the, the seal has been broken. Yeah. Right? So once that seal has been broken and it, it's occurred that as a way to aid the public health conversation regardless of what side you are on it or not but you know if a decision is made in the interest of public health the businesses have to have game plans and contingencies built in but they don't want to spend money they don't think they have to so you know it's that's that's the rough part is that you don't want to plan for worst case because of how it looks you don't want to go back to how it was because there are some savings, but you have to change a whole lot of mindsets over it and how you treat your employees. And that's how it comes down to, honestly, is like, how do you want to treat your employees? Companies that are being successful are looking at their employees as human beings with families and children and, and all of these things that they, they never had to admit before, right? They, they never had to acknowledge it because your personal life was your personal life and yeah. your work was your work life. And once you left their building, they could be less empathetic to your personal life because you were the asset coming in and out. Now that you're asking them, now that you as a business are coming into your employee's home, 
a lot of that leverage starts going away. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so it's it's interesting because, you know, I mean, they're tough decisions all around because it's it's definitely changed. The question is, I think what's going to happen now is it's just going to scatter. And and employees are going to have the ability to say, well, no, I, I want this company that's a work from home. It's an interesting um, topic right now simply because, as from what I've read, a lot of younger uh, people out there are really pushing for work from home in hybrid work environments. And you might get this old staunchy CEO who might say uh, and be adamant, oh, I want my guys – in the office and the younger people might be pushing back. It could be uh, work from home and hybrid work office places could become a point, uh, a selling point to attract yeah. younger talent into these businesses. And it, it could really hurt some of these, these older companies that uh, kind of set in their ways. It was either, it was either Morgan Stanley or Goldman Sachs famously like six months ago did the, if you want to get New York paid, you need to show up to the stinking office. He didn't use stinking, but this is my show, so and it's me, so that's what happens. L let me ask you a completely side question to this. We know that there are three documented learning styles, right? Rich, you should get this because of your wife's work in education. We know that there are three different learning styles, that every child is one of three, essentially. And that is how you learn best. Are we going to start to see a push to determine who is effective on the workforce in their different working style? And will that come into play? If they can't attract quality employees, yes. All right. I think that I, 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 Bob brought up a great point which is you have let's let's just let's let's just talk corporate america let's yeah. let's not talk small businesses let's let's just talk corporate america and i realize a, this is a resi show but i like this conversation so we're doing it <laughs> people in resi are going to be working in these businesses right exactly so it's, it, they all you know it 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 they, it all it all it all comes down to these are going to be the employees of these corporations who are going to be buying the goods that we're trying to provide yep. that's that's Kind of how I'm putting those dots. Together. I'm with you. Um, and it ties into the next part, which is that you have a generation of business leaders. Let's just say they're my generation, a little bit older, you know, maybe the generation past me. Um, but you're talking 50 to 70 year old men. Great percentage of them. Yep. Who have had a way of doing things. And like, just like you said, Morgan Stanley is a perfect example, right? This is the way we do it. This is how we've made our money kick rocks, right? Mm -hmm. And everybody who went through business school up until recently was faced with, yeah, okay, you want to go to a big five? This is what you got to do. You got to pay your dues. You got to do this. You got to do that, right? You get to go through the meat grinder. And Bob made a perfect point. This new generation uh, of, of workers coming through and not even from four-year um, schools, entering the workplace yeah. who have an entrepreneurial mindset who are have access to side hustles in a different way and business models in a different way who are coming in and and these new employees are coming and saying no this is absolutely about my mental well-being about my quality of life and 
it was funny. I was reading something the other day. The the stigma of job hopping is gone. Yeah, that is a remnant of my generation, right? Where if you had holes in your resume or if it showed you going from place to place, that was a black mark mm-hmm. on you. That no longer applies. Th- this generation coming in goes, I don't care. I was constantly looking for the next opportunity. And so um, I'm not going to be up to these businesses partially. I think it's going to be it, that decision is going to be made for them because of their employment pool. And I think we have to remember that y- your generation, <laughs> you went to school, you did homework at home, you sat at the kitchen table, right? Or, or your, your room in your desk and you did your homework and you did your, your schooling and you went to university and you sat in the library and you did your work. The generation that's coming up and even a, a large part of my generation, they worked at Starbucks and at the park and wherever they stinking felt like sitting for the day, they sat and did or for 10 minutes sat and did whatever they wanted. They're predisposed to flexibility and how they accomplish a task, not necessarily work, but how they accomplish a task. And I think that's a huge aspect that is, is dramatically overlooked. All right. Before we get totally lost in that, let's, let's switch topics for a moment. This comes to us from Residential Systems. HTSA has announced Lightapalooza 2022. It's their educational conference focused on lighting integration. It's going to go down in the end of February in Dallas. It's a three-day educational event uh, to connect top integrators with 17 leading lighting segment manufacturers to connect and share ideas one-on-one, engaging conversations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Bob, let me, let me start with you on this. And I, I, I believe they tried to do this last year and they had to cancel it. Uh, so it, it's going to be a arguably a, a kickoff from the one that they tried to do last year. We're, we're seeing such a strong push into lighting is this just the next shiny thing that a couple of integrators have figured out they can make a little bit of money at and add another like, we also do this? Or or is this a serious category for us as integrators? Uh, I think it's a serious category. Um, ProSource has been doing this for a few years now. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have their big... Um, uh, hi- open house down in Dallas, I believe it is. And, um, they've been doing lighting training for a couple of years now. And, um, I believe having attended, uh, the pro source event in 2020, right before everything had closed down, Mm -hmm. um, they had said that it was lighting represents like a $44 billion. I can't. Yeah. It's massive. Yeah. It's a massive, massive. And their hope, is that they, you know, we're able as the integration industry is to get a small piece of that, which is, you know, tens of millions of dollars. And so, you know, based on those numbers alone, you'd have to say that, no, this isn't a fad. This is going to be a long-term thing. And based on what I see, you know, at Cedar and um, through my employer, Emerald, Mm -hmm. um, 
I don't see it going away because it ties together so many industries, the design industry, the building industry, and it's a great way for integrators to network with these other industries and um, not only do lighting, but, um, y you know, other systems as well, AV, networking, you know, the whole, whole ball of wax. So I I'm not going to throw you under the bus necessarily, but I'm, I'm going to ask Richie a, a question to kind of counterpoint your, your statement there. Walking into a project where an electrician's on site, and yes, it's a huge market, there's lots of opportunity, and to show up and say, I know you spec'd a bunch of stuff, but here's what we're going to do, doesn't always make friends, doesn't let you connect. What I wonder, and, and what I question is, for the average integrator, what are we actually bringing to the table when we come to a lighting conversation? Are we bringing, like, obviously there's a, there's an integration side, but we've been integrating with lights from a control standpoint for years. What are we bringing to the conversation when we start talking about lighting design and lighting fixtures? Anything? So. Uh... That was the heaviest so that we've had on this show in months <laughs> artistry and my craftsmanship and my secret sauce and we always stop and we have the first conversation which is you're in the construction industry first the minute you're in a house you're in the construction industry as such you need to play with all the other kids in the park nicely now Integration has been an interesting word because for 30 years, it was only a word that was used for a select number of individuals. We may have been doing integration for mm -hmm. decades, but it was for a small percentage of people who understood it. If you went to somebody on the street and said, yeah, I do integration. They, oh, you do irrigation. Oh, cool. You know? uh, <laughs> I got a right. question about my uh, flower pot water. <laughs> working over here. Can you come on by? Um, it is different now. And and part of it has become because of the DIY movement, because of what you see in a box re re um, retailer, because of what you see in, you know, a Lowe's or a Home Depot. So the the integration side of things that the, the CI channel brings is, I know that your electrician specified this. You need light. However, you keep seeing all of these commercials or you hear about things or you see these ads on the internet, um, you know, about Agatha, turn on my lights to pink, you know, Agatha, turn it on to yellow, right? These are things you're asking for. What what Tom, and again, Tom Doherty is a big part of this too. He's, he's one of the OGs, right? He, we started when we were all mad scientists. And so... Their approach is, you need to learn this, number one. And that's part of what they're saying, is that this is about education, okay? This is not a ready, fire, aim situation. And that's that's speaking exactly what you're talking about, right? Is They're, they're not saying, go half-cocked into a house and just try to rush over everybody. Learn where your niche is, right? Where those riches and niches are. Learn where your niche can be. Where I see it, is that if you are using app control, voice control, you name it system XYZ as the tip of the spear 
to get in to the house, you need to know something like a fixture where all of a sudden it's like you get the call. You know, I had this problem in my house with the fixture a couple of months ago. You get the call from the car. My lights never turn off. Yeah. But my lights never turn off. Yeah. Because there's still enough voltage, <laughs> even though it's teeny, 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 tiny. Last week. Keep it yep. well, well, Did the nobody, same thing last week. <laughs> right. Well, nobody told me that. You're right. That's why I'm here now. We want to work in partnership with your electric. So this is why we specify things. It's not that we want to do electrical. We just want to make sure that you're not spending money twice. So we work in partnership. Now, that's what a smart integrator does. And that's what HTSA is trying to say, which is we want to leverage you to get a taste of this business and hopefully not, you know, upset everybody while you're doing it. As an advocate, taking the step back, here's the result. Here are all the things that you've been sold about, what the future means. Well, based on this fixture, it ain't happening. Now we got a choice. I can sit there and say, I told you so, and charge you twice. Or I can come in and say, we have solutions. And we'd like to work with you and your team on it. And the electrician's going to go, Okay, cool. I don't got to sit there and, and complain about it, right? It, it, it's 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 a tough one, but it comes down from the fact that there is a much larger pool. Mm -hmm. Your sales figures may not be as high on a project, so you may have three or four clients who are at a lower cost of entry. That's why it's super important to be able to come in accurately and sell it because again, your your margins are different in this industry, and so. You know, again, I, I'm, you know, I, I fully expect Shada Palooza 2023 to happen. I fully expect, you know, Irrigation Palooza 2024 <laughs> to happen. You know, but, but, you know, what this lighting is low hanging fruit in the sense that you can very quickly and cost effectively reach a desired result with your product mix that you're already that you already have obviously if you're in this industry you're either smelling or selling a, a simple remote control rti a urc whatever it is right there's layer one guess what there's integration controls in those things now you move up to the next step you got control for your crestron savant who have you there's another layer in but it also comes back to you can have the most phenomenal control system there but if that light don't turn off it ain't your fault but it's still your fault and so that's what I see this as, as, as a way to say, hey, look, how many integrators know that <laughs> you you have a minimum threshold of voltage, that zero doesn't mean zero. Yeah. If you think zero means zero, that's not how it works. That's not how electricity works. It's, you know, that's killing a circuit. Oh, yeah, it'll turn off, throw the breaker, residual voltage. I think it's important for integrators to use um, the support services that these buying groups are offering any integrator could buy lighting product at, at this point and throw it up and be like that that electrician throwing in-wall speakers around everywhere and saying, oh, I do home theater. Well, it's almost it's almost the same, but um, these buying groups are offering support services to help integrators with the design and specification of lighting products. So, you know, homeowners can get the right, you know, the right products to do the right application and uh, meet their needs. So it is a long-term answer. I, I'm going to echo that and, and we'll wrap it with this. 
and this is my my soapbox PSA moment. Um, if you want to play in lighting beyond controllable, you know, dimmers, right? You want to play with fixtures. Go take some Bind Group courses. Go take some Cedia courses. Go take an ALA course, an American Lighting Institute course. Go get your little butt certified and understand the principles of light and the principles of design. Because the one of the easiest ways to, to prove your worth in this is to have more knowledge than those other people on the floor that you're talking to. You don't have to throw it in their face, but if you can understand why you're putting a light there, and what that light's going to look like before you sell it, that is very easy to prove to your client and show your client what you're doing and why you're doing it and why you're specking something that, according to the electrical world, we got the same thing for nine bucks. There's a ton of money to be made in that vertical, but only if you know what you're doing. So, so go actually learn. Please, for the love of God, because I'm tired of pulling your stuff out. <laughs> Not that I've ever done that before, like last week. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Bob, if people want to connect with you, learn more about CE Pro, follow you on Twitter at BobArcher2020. Where, where else can they reach you? Uh, thank you for asking. Yeah, normally I bumble through my uh, my Twitter account, um, but I, I did a few months ago uh, join Instagram, and on Instagram, it's B A as in B A one the the number one Boston, so B A one Boston on Instagram. I I'm gonna add that to your to your thing for me. <laughs> and I remembered it. I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Mr. Fergosa, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Fergosa Design, where can they do that? Bob, can I say, I am just so glad that you didn't post your OnlyFans account when given that opportunity. <laughs> That's only for my close friends. Please don't search that. I don't know what you're going to find. <laughs> now, as far as mine. Uh... I don't want yours either. <laughs> I don't want anybody's. Stop it. If you'd like to see my business dealings, um, <laughs> you, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Arfragosa. You can type my name into the interwebs and uh, business stuff will show up. Uh, you can see us at uh, the website, FragosaDesign.com. Hopefully the place you find me uh, the most or at least uh, the most enthusiastically is here on Aviation.tv with our suite of shows serving all these verticals and uh, actually going to be recording tomorrow with my good friend, Steve Greenblatt. Uh, our show is data control, which talks about the uh, state of the integration and automation industry as it affects all of us. Beautiful. Thank you both again for joining us. Uh, thank you for, for tuning in and listening or watching. If you'd like to connect with me, send me hate mail over, over something. You can do that at Matt D Scott on Twitter and most of the other social platforms, but more importantly, please visit aviation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover when you visit the website please take a moment to check out our supporters we are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well thanks again for watching that's all the time we have for this episode of resi week 